1: Episode 42 is coming right at you here at the opening line. We are brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. We've got a lot to unload this week, so here we go. Enjoy the show.
0: Let's get it started. Let's get it started.
1: What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the opening line. We are back, better than ever. It is Witson Raz. You had the Raz Show last week. Uh Recorded a little bit late, and then also posted it a little bit late. So. Hopefully you got our picks in just in time for the college slate. Uh, Wits, we not, my been, picks. not your picks. Yeah, you uh-huh. did not. Although your football, your NFL ones weren't bad. So hopefully they use yours. I did put a lot of units out there, so I didn't lose too terribly. But Wits, I feel like we we are always rushing when we get here. We, me and you, have such a time crunch. It's nine thirty your time. It's seven thirty my time. Right after work. It's just the trials and tribulations of working in entertainment in LA. And I just thought we'd, we'd break it down for a second. I'd just be like, hey, Wits, how are you doing today? How's life been? I mean, you're cruising in fantasy football. You're a financial advisor. You've got tons of clients. You're still growing that network. And again, if you need a financial advisor, Xander Horwitz in uh, Deerfield, Illinois. And Wits, just what's going on? Because I've got a couple things I want to bring up that has happened in the universe.
2: Yeah, a lot of stuff's going on, Roz. I'm sorry I had to miss the show last week, but I was uh, taking a deep dive into Game 7 of the which World gonna Series. Which we're going to get into, by the way. Yeah, so I could come back and report uh, to everybody here, give my thoughts on it, um, but I couldn't pass it up. Only happens maybe once a year, so apologize for missing the show, but I'm glad to be back. Uh, and yeah, it's almost my bedtime, but got to make some room for uh, the opening line, so glad to be here.
1: Right. And which honestly, last weekend for me was very tamed. November 1st struck last weekend, but that didn't stop the Halloween goers. And me and you, we like to fix problems. We're going to work on one at the end of the show when we talk about the college football playoffs. I'm working on one right now. I don't think Halloween should ever extend into November. And I know it was an awkward time. Halloween was on a Thursday this year, but I partied it up, had a great time the weekend before, and we got all the costume wearing out of the way. Now, I'm wearing a costume for this episode just to prove a point here that it's a little egregious, when you go two weekends in a row with Halloween, I think we make a rule here, which I think the instant November hits, Halloween has to stop, die, not exist. You start planning for next year. I think it's got to end. How do you feel about back-to-back weekends being Halloween weekends?
2: Uh, I feel fine about it. I completely disagree with you. Um, I dressed up twice, had a great time and disagree I agree with
1: me Jesus Christ I agree with you.
2: I mean you know the fact that it was on a Thursday and then a lot of people do their parties that weekend after I'm completely fine with it I don't see what you're all hot and bothered about I'm yeah, pretty hot you know. and
1: bothered Um I wear, I wear the same costume every year from now on I mean I got a Bugs Bunny onesie and I don't I don't feel the need to have to wear it four times maybe maybe twice three stretching it let me be very honest with you I'm well, I, that
2: have, I, I have an honest opinion about a Halloween and trick-or-treating. I don't go anymore, but I think we should change it to just a permanent Saturday. I mean, no reason,
1: for
2: the, no reason for the kids to be out late at night when it's dark out. Why don't we just like change Martin it? Like
1: Martin Luther King Jr. Day, always on a Monday.
2: Yeah, just change it from 2 to 5 on a Saturday. Much safer. More people are home. I think it just would be better. That's a... Uh, Complete side opinion, nothing to do with sports or the show or just Halloween parties. But hey, We just get the- to have
1: our opinions. We're not just sports jockeys, you know? It's like a Playboy model. They're not just there to look at. They also probably have opinions and interests, and we have ours of our own. Also, yeah. quick note, off the Halloween train, you, you Spotify guy, right? I know you yep. like your music. I am a Spotify guy. So yep. I got the... Uh, click and switch on me so like they they come at you with like yo ethan check out this radio that we built for you and it's like okay i see you throw no guidance by chris brown we're not endorsing chris brown but you know he's got some hits they throw that one on and then when you're driving it's hard to be handheld i got stuck with a terrible playlist all the way home here wits to record this show does that happen to you and do you think spotify should check themselves before they can tell me who i am they need to check themselves first
2: no, I disagree with you again. Wow, Jesus. Uh, I don't like listen, to this, listen to the Spotify radios. I'm more of a you know, Shazam 3 songs, listen to those on repeat for a couple of weeks, and then I find a few more. So I, I kind of always know what my playlist is going to look like. Um, not a lot of variety, but a lot of stuff that I liked. So, um, yeah, I don't really do the Spotify radio thing. Number one song
1: you've got going right now. Like, what's a wit song? Fragile by Kendrick Lamar and uh, Tech Nine was very big in your life for a while. But what what are you rocking right now?
2: Uh, that is a great question. I'm gonna pull up my uh, my like song right now. So uh, number one, I've got Ballin by uh, Mustard and Roddy Rich. I don't know if that's how he pronounces it, but that's has uh, been listening to a lot of that. A lot of the London by uh, Young Thug and J Cole. Um, that is a great
1: track, by the way. Great feature by J Cole there. Yeah, so I
2: mean that's kind of what I'm listening to right to listen now. To and, yeah,
1: that's what I. That's what I'm trying to be listening to. But they threw me on some loop with some people I've never heard of and speak minimal English at that. All right, wits. We're a sports show. Let's get back into it. We've got a lot going on. Major League Baseball has concluded. The Washington Nationals have upended the Houston Astros. The NL will be taking the crown, which they haven't done in the last couple of years. The Nationals. Steven Strasburg, interest winning the uh, World Series MVP, has declined his contract, so he will be a free agent. What do you make of this? And then let's go. Break down the World Series for me. How joyous was it for you, being the baseball fan you are?
2: Um, it was awesome, Roz. And... I don't really want to talk about the Strasburg contract thing. Uh, He should try to get as much money as he possibly can because he showed everybody that he is absolute dynamite in the playoffs. And when it all comes down to it, you can be as great of a regular season pitcher as you want, but the guys who really come through in the playoffs, guys like Stephen Strasburg, are one of the main reasons that the Washington Nationals – come away with that World Series victory. I mean, I know the knock on Clayton Kershaw is that he never really comes through in the playoffs, and I think that's kind of reflected in the Los Angeles Dodgers really never being able to make that breakthrough to win the World Series. But the Washington Nationals, I mean, starting off at 19-31, and looking like it was going to be another lost season uh, in D.C., you know, they rallied from deficits in five elimination games, and I remember... You know, a few weeks ago, it started off against the Brewers and Josh Hader. They were down 3-1 to one in the eighth inning, came back and won that game and won the World Series against a 107-win team that had Justin Verlander, Verlander Zach Greinke, and Garrett Cole, who had been probably the hottest pitcher in baseball um, that we've seen in a long time. So all the pieces aligned. You had Anthony Rendon, uh, probably one of the most clutch postseasons that you're, you'll ever see from a guy. I think, you know, after the seventh inning or later in a tie game or when they were down, I think he was like seven for eight with three homers and three doubles. Um, so it was unbelievable. Everybody really came together. And the Nationals, you know, they've been that team for so long that they couldn't get out of the first round. They couldn't win the playoff series. They had the big name guy in Bryce Harper, and they couldn't get it done. And it's funny, the year that he leaves, they actually come around and win the whole thing. And it was just as a sports fan, I'm not a Nationals fan, but... It was really cool to see, it was an awesome story, and definitely worth it to see at Game 7, because they were down, uh, got to Zank Granky a little bit, and then Will Harris comes in and, and gives it up, and Garrett Cole, we're kind of left with that question, uh, but after the game, A.J. Hinch, he said, I wasn't going to bring him into a non-clean inning, and you know he stuck to his strategy, unfortunately, it didn't work out, but yeah, Roz, this was a great season, I thought it was great for baseball, that the Nats took home the title, and just a, a few key plays in that World Series that really decided things, and Nationals come out on top in seven games, and we move on. But it was awesome. It was a great year for baseball.
1: Yeah, that pitching staff for the Nationals was absolutely insane, and what a great moment for Scherzer to come out and pitch game seven after some of the medical complications that were going on through the course of the series. And like you said, the Bryce Harper thing, took up so much of the news, and people probably wrote off this Nationals team. Again, this Nationals team, I believe, was 19-32 and at one point in the season, and they had the hottest team since August. So it's good for them, good for baseball, like you said, and that's that's the best part about baseball to me, the unpredictability. Would I like the Cubs to win every year? Yes, absolutely. But I always feel we have a different team crowned at the end. When it comes to the World Series, and yes, the Yankees have had their dynasties. Same with the Red Sox. Maybe even the Giants had a little bit of one um, in the even years. But to me, baseball there's so much unpredictable. There are so many unpredictable outcomes through the course of the season, and when it comes down to the champions. So great season, Wits, and uh, I hope for I hope I'm hoping for good things for the Cubs come next season, and we'll just have to wait and see. But Wits, get off the train. When the train's coming and the ROZ train is choo, 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 choo. and I did mean tracks. So you ruined this, but it's okay. NCAA basketball is back as of yesterday for you guys, as you guys are listening to um, our episode, A Day Late, but we are recording during the Champions Classic. We've already seen the Duke game, Duke taking down Kansas. We've got Michigan State and Kentucky playing currently, and your boy. Jumped right on that train and it is just piling through. Wits, we've got a guy who is three and four in his first four college basketball picks, and we're gonna work with Koloff to get you guys picks daily through our social media. I'm hot, I can feel it. College basketball's in the air. I'm texting our boy Rube here and there, seeing where our picks lie. But Wits, I felt it's only fair that we go through the top 25. I'm gonna skim the bottom, but at least the top 10, you and I are gonna give some picks our preseason picks. I guess the season has started, but we'll give our look ahead to what March Madness may look like. I know you're the baseball expert, and I come here to do the NCAA basketball expertisms. I made up that word. We'll put it in the dictionary soon. But wits Michigan State, their first AP preseason number one ranking, and this is a dangerous and poised team to bring Tom Izzo a national title. They are trailing currently in the game I'm watching, But I still have selected them minus three to beat Kentucky, and I think that'll still hold up. But Michigan State making big noise for the Big Ten.
2: Yeah, and I mean, you know, they've got the nation's best point guard in Cassius Winston, an emerging star in Aaron Henry. So I think the key for Michigan State this year is going to be at that that four position. I think they need a lot of consistent production, avoid the turnovers, and. You know, there is a reason they're ranked number one. Tom Izzo, one of the greatest coaches out there when we're looking at college basketball. So, you know, could 2020 be a year like 2000 when he brought home a title? I think it absolutely could be. Uh, Cassius Winston is super fun to watch, and I think he's a great leader for this team. And we saw that in the tournament last year. They came up short in the Final Four, but they still made a big run at it and took down Duke in the Elite Eight. So, I mean, Michigan State team, they're, they're going to be there all year. And, you know, they're a team that consistently makes a tournament, so I see a lot of good things for them this year. And if they can figure out the entire starting lineup, I mean, they are absolutely deserving of that number one ranking.
1: Yeah, I like Michigan State a lot. We know how Tom Izzo is with returning players. This is a team that's poised to make a deep run. Uh, They're not my champion as of right now, but we'll see where all things lead. We've got blue, 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 the blue bloods of the NCAA. If you look at two through four, we've got Kentucky at two, who returned a lot of players, actually, something not typical for a Cal Perry-led team. And we've got Kansas, who I think has one of the best point guards. I mean, they did take the loss earlier this week to Duke, but Devin Dotson looks really freaking good. He's quick, right off the dribble. This is a guy who's going to have some big trees down low with Azoblique and Agba. I'm never going to pronounce any of these guys' names, right, because they have the longest names in the world. Anyways, Kansas did get beat. Lots of turnovers, nearly 30 turnovers in their first game. It was a rusty opener. For both Duke and Kansas, but I think both of these teams are also poised to make big pushes this year. I think this is a very sexy top four because these guys, whereas sometimes the top four falls off, I think all these teams are going to be competing to the end. I don't think we're going to see any disasters come March Madness time. Will they all be finalists? I don't believe so, but I don't think we're going to see early exits. These teams are very strong in depth, in maturity, and at the point guard position, all four of them have an awesome point guards, and you need that down the stretch. Out of these three wits, do you have a favorite of the Blue Bloods?
2: Yeah, well, I really like Kentucky this year, Roz, and they were my pick to win um, last year's tournament. And they came up a little short, um, but they really showed me a lot. and I know they lost some big players, but, you know, you're looking at Cal Perry, he's got some returning talent. You know, Ashton Hagens, Nick Richards, EJ Montgomery, and Emmanuel Quickly. Um, There's a lot of players who can lead the way for this team. And P.J. Washington was was an awesome, awesome player for Kentucky last year. And now he's in the NBA. But I think there's a lot of pieces for this team. And look at a guy like Coach Cal. He's been there before. He's done it many times. And I don't think this is his most talented team, uh, not by a long shot. But this is a team that's going to compete. And I think, you know, Kentucky, they always seem to kind of catch a groove near the end of the year at the right time. And that's kind of what happened last year. I know they came up short, but... They were playing really well in the NCAA tournament. And out of those three teams right now, uh, they're the one I'm looking at to make a move and possibly push for a national championship.
1: The ACC network is really trying hard to get everybody to tune in to their sports and their teams. Louisville pitted up on day one against Miami, a conference game to open the season Pretty wild. Louisville did dismantle Miami. This is the team also returning players. Nawara is gonna be a absolute stud. He is one of the wood wooden watch players uh, in the country right now. And then my boy Ryan McCannon. He all you gotta do is be able to hit the threes. By the way, Wits. I don't know if you know this. They moved the three point line back to FIBA rules in college basketball. So further three point shots. They hope that it'll open the lane up for more drives to the hoop. Also, it makes the three, obviously, more challenging. But this Louisville team, I think, has a well-rounded offense. Do I think the defense at the end of the day is going to hold up? Not sure, but this offense is one that can explode on teams, and they can make a push. Jay Billiswitz loves this next team. Number six, Florida. He believes... Florida is going to be the best team in the SEC and arguably the best team in the country. He definitely sees them finishing with a number one seed come March Madness time. I'm seeing ghosts of Joakim Noah and the uh, – what's his name? Not Brad Stevens. That's the Boston Butler coach. I'm thinking of uh, – what's his name? Al Horford. No, not Al. I'm, not, I'm talking about the co- – Billy Donovan. Thank you. I can I can solve my own problems. But Al Horford was a part of those teams. Um, Florida looking very exciting. They just got a massive transfer in Blackshear. He's going to be prolific when it comes to scoring and just being an all-around presence on the court. Florida, interesting team because me, I like to shit on Florida here and there, mostly on the football field, but this could, this could be an exciting run we get out of the Gators.
2: Yeah, and I mean I think Blackshear, he could definitely challenge for SEC player of the year. So this is this is a big deal for this Florida team. Um like you said, you know, seeing you at the top of the rankings does kind of remind you of those Joe Kim Noah, Al Horford, Billy Donovan years, because they, you know, if you remember, they won those back-to-back national championships and were a very dominant team. So it's nice to see them back up here. They've got a lot of talent. We'll see if they can put it all together. I know the, you know, the preseason rankings are one thing. You know, call me in a few months when we're getting towards crunch time. Um, but, yeah, I think Florida's got a lot of talent. They'll definitely be able to challenge whether they do that. I'm not sure right now, but it's nice to see them up there uh, You know, in the top five.
1: I completely agree. We've got Maryland at 7, also returning a lot of players. Um, Aaron Wiggins, who I think is going to be an absolute star, a guy that needs to be watched for player of the year. Then you got Gonzaga. You know what they have to offer. Mark Few and that team always competing. This is the lowest they've been in the last two seasons in the AP preseason poll. North Carolina at 9, Villanova at 10, Virginia at 11. North Carolina, interesting to me. Again, they're reloading as well. They do have some returning players. But North Carolina, always the Vata consistency. They will continue to compete at a top 10 level. Is it ever good enough, though? I don't know if they ever... They most recently have not had a star player to push them over the edge. And I know one guy doesn't make a team, especially in college basketball. But these guys constantly get beaten down the stretch in the season. And I think it's going to be a similar case here. I don't think they have enough tools or talent to get past the top dogs this season. And they are an early candidate for me to be knocked off early when it comes to tournament time. Which I'm curious about your take on North Carolina and seven through nine. But I definitely would love to talk about Villanova, Virginia. And I believe they're both going to regress in insane fashion.
2: Yeah, I mean, North Carolina... I'm not really sure what to think of them right now. I want to see them play, you know, at least for a month and and see what they're really working with. Because, I mean, all the preseason rankings and the players and the transfers, it's hard for me to kind of get a grip on what we're talking about right now. And obviously anything can happen in a tournament. But you're looking at at UNC right now. They've got the two grad transfers and Justin Pierce and Christian Keeling. And I think they've got arguably the best high school player in last year's class and Cole Anthony. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to make people forget about Kobe White, obviously, but you know, I think this is going to be a really big piece for this Roy Williams team. And North Carolina—they're a team for me, kind of like Michigan State. If they get to the dance, I'm always looking out for a team like that, who's had a lot of postseason success and is able to make a run at any time because they—they're usually not have the most talented team, but they've always got enough juice to keep going. And so I'm going to see how North Carolina plays and how they gel together, but I think they're going to be another solid team. And then when it comes to tournament time, we'll see uh, how the ACC tournament shapes up, and, and then I'll make my decision on how far I think they're going to go.
1: Villanova and Virginia, I think you can you can go against me here, but I think their rankings are kind of based on their coaches, both fantastic coaches and Tony Bennett and Jay Wright, but both have lost a lot of talent over the last year, especially this Virginia team who lost their three best players. To me, I think the coach is bringing up the ranking Do I believe Virginia's going to still have a stout defense? Absolutely. Do I believe Villanova's still going to chuck up the threes? Absolutely. But don't be surprised if we see both of these teams take a dip out of the top 25. And don't be surprised if their seeding come March Madness is a lot lower than expected and a lot lower than we've seen in the last couple of years. These two, I guess, defending national champions, not so much Villanova anymore, but they are a recent winner. I think they're both going to struggle, and I think we're going to see that early and often, especially in the non conference play, and even more so when we get to conference play. That's just my early take on those two teams. I mean, you know what, Roz? The thing about losing stars at programs is you get new stars. You
2: find new players who come along, and you don't think they were going to be as good as the last bunch, but, you know, meanwhile, it happens all the time. Virginia, I think, after, you know, Really breaking down last year and finally coming through with a huge victory. Um, you know, I remember watching them. A couple of those, those tournament games were very, very, very close. But they end up coming away with a big victory versus Texas Tech. Uh, they've got the experience. Um, I know they've got some new players this year. But Tony Bennett finally broke through. And I think this team is still going to be very good and will be able to compete for a title. They're not as talented as last year, but... I mean, there's a lot of players that we haven't seen, so it's hard to say, you know, what they're going to do this year. Um, so I'd like to sit and wait a little bit. I don't have as much, uh, much knowledge as you about this sport, but we'll see. I'm pretty good at picking the brackets. And then Villanova, um, the most prolific three-point shooting team in Villanova history last season, and I think that'll continue this year. I think they're going to chuck up a lot of threes. They've lost a lot of talent, but, you know, I think is a lot of those freshmen start to mold together. I mean, this is going to be another great shooting team. I think they're going to stay in the top 25 all year. They might just sneak into the top 10 by the end of the year um, and stay there. So I like Villanova this year. I think they're going to surprise a lot of people.
1: Interesting. So I'm going to give kind of some downward in the top 25 ranking picks that I think are going to make some noise this year. Starting with Memphis, James Weissman is going to be a monster and he started off big with 28 and 11 in his first game Memphis. This is probably the most exciting team they've had since the Derrick Rose days. And this seems going to make some absolute noise. I wouldn't be surprised. And I'm going to make the early claim. They're going to be in my final four come the end of the year. Um, so Memphis be on the lookout for them. Kind of like my Baylor pick many years back. If you listen to the sporting edge, um, So go with Memphis. I also like Ohio State coming out of the Big Ten. Do I think they're a Final Four team? No. They could shake up some brackets, though. I think this is a team that's going to come in as a four, maybe take out a one. So be very weary of that. I think Ohio State, they are bringing in a lot of new talent. This is a team that's been on the rebuild for a little bit. They're down at 18, but they're ranked inside the top 25 for the first time in a while. So be careful. Look out for Ohio State and Memphis. And then Michigan State, I'm just going to give it right now, Michigan State is my pick to win this year's national title, bringing back the glory to the Big Ten. Wits, give me some surprise picks and give me your champion this year.
2: So I've got really one team that I'm looking at right now, and it's the Arizona Wildcats. I'm looking at Nico Mannion, Josh Green. This is really a star-studded freshman class for Arizona. And I think they've struggled in the past, you know, basically due to a lack of talent. I mean, they had a lot of talented players, but I think this year we're really going to see Arizona get to that next level, and then you get a potential wild card uh, among the newcomers and Max Hazard, who led U.C. Irvine in scoring last season. They upset Kansas State in the NCAA tournament. So this Arizona Wildcats team is a team that I think will break out into the top ten eventually. My champion for this year, uh, I'm going with the same team as last year. I like Kentucky. I like Coach Cal. I think this is going to be a very great team on the defensive side of the ball, and I think they're going to push through. Um, I know they got you know, they got beat by Auburn last year in the Elite Eight, and that was a very disappointing finish. But I think Kentucky, uh, I think they're going to pull through this year and come out on the top of the bracket. So I'm going to take them again.
1: You love your U.K. Wildcats. That's it for college basketball. We will be bringing it back hotter and better than ever this season. We're very excited. We still are in the midst of football. Wits, the college football playoff rankings, week one, have come out. There has been a champion every year in that top four selection other than 2015 when Ohio State was ranked 16th, came back, and won that season. The AP poll is dead. We can only focus on the CFP poll now. And LSU, Alabama are 2-3. Ohio State at one, which I disagree with a little bit right now. And Penn State at four. I told you earlier. I know it won't finish that way, but I told you Penn State was a playoff team to pay attention to. Clemson, I'm a 5. I'm interested on your take with that. Georgia, 6. And the only other noticeable ones are the Pac-12 at 2 at Utah and Oregon at 7-8. And then Oklahoma, to me, at 9 seems a little bit low. I know they took a tough loss to K-State, but they are, K-State is 16th on this list. Whits, what were your initial reactions to the college football playoff rankings?
2: My initial reaction is that I don't really give a shit because these rankings are just for people like me and you to come on and talk about what we agree and disagree with. Except for the fact
1: that three of the four teams have made it at this point in the season when they've been marked in the first ranking, they've made it into the postseason the last two years. So it's kind of telling, in my opinion. Whether it's
2: telling or not, it doesn't really matter. I mean, Penn State's going to play Ohio State. One of those two teams will not make the playoffs. LSU's playing Alabama this weekend. There's going to be a lot more shakeups. And I realize that Clemson's outside of that top four playoff teams right now. But, you know, like you said, it's the first week of the rankings. There's so much stuff left to happen and so many games to be played that I'm pretty confident that when we get down to it, we're going to have the right teams in there. I wish we could make it six teams because, you know, looking at those top five right now and a team like Georgia or a team like Oklahoma, um, You know, it'd be nice to have them in there, but you know that's not the case. That's not what we get. So, I don't really care about the rankings. Not important to me because all these other games are going to happen, and we're going to have these teams playing each other. These teams will lose. So we'll see how it shakes out. But my initial reaction is I don't really give a shit.
1: Fair. I don't. I think Ohio State is the most complete team. Do I think they're the best team? No. Because of their statistics and who they've played, it makes them shiny, looks good. But I think LSU, if you look at who they've beaten this season, they've gone on the road and won some big games as well. I think they deserve to be number one. Bama, I could make the argument that they could be the five and Clemson should be in over them. Clemson played a ranked Texas A&M. Alabama, their best matchup was not a ranked Texas A&M. They have not played really anybody. They got Duke in their non-conference schedule. Uh, Bama, to me... Seems as weak as they've looked over the last six years, and I don't know how you feel about Saban and Belichick. You have to pro- you have to be proven wrong in order to take that team out of contention. But Clemson, to me, although they had that close scare against UNC, has just been pummeling teams the last three weeks. I found it bizarre that they were out. I honestly think they should be still ahead of Penn State currently because Penn State, realistically, the committee put this out, but they have to know one that. LSU and Bama are playing, so that's going to change it. Penn State and Ohio State have to play again. And then you still got Georgia potentially against Alabama or LSU. So there's a lot of matchups between the top six that I think are going to shake things up, which is uncommon because I don't think there's been this many matchups in the top six or at least down the stretch in a while when it comes to this postseason rankings. Oklahoma to be at 9, that's unfortunate. I think they're valuing the Pac-12 this year over the Big 12, and at the end of the day, they're going to be held out, especially if we get an Oregon-Utah matchup where they're both one-loss teams going into it. I think Oregon could shock the world and slip into this postseason berth or postseason this year. Um, but yeah, it is the first one. I take stock in the fact that I think those teams that are viewed at the top right now are teams that are going to stay there. I think the committee puts them there for a reason. I think they are have the most likely chance of actually making it, and we'll have to see from here on out, um, but Wits, I went 3-1-1 and last week. We both pushed on the SMU game. I ripped you apart with the Georgia game. I ripped you apart with the Michigan game. You try to come at me, and you, you got the horns from the bull over here. I took you down. Um, I also got Virginia plus two and a half in a makeup game for the week before. I did lose FSU. They fired our coach directly after the game. I'm sitting at negative 1.7 units, but that is a hell of a lot better than where you're at when you're sitting at one and one, three and one this past week, and at negative nine point three units. I think this should be the chance for you to explain yourself and how poor of a college football season you are having.
2: I don't think there's really anything to explain, Roz. This has been a it's been a rough one for me, and I'll be the first one to wear it. Um, Florida game was big, disappointing. You know, having them plus six and a half and then losing by a score. Uh, not ideal. And then, you know, Maryland just got absolutely spanked and I uh, thought they weren't going to get spanked by that much. Didn't turn out that way. But yeah, it's been a tough, it's been a trying year. It's been a tough year. Um, been a lot better in the NFL, but you know, for the college picks, 23 and 28, it's uh, it's not good enough. So we're going to, we're going to get back to work. We're going to try to right the ship this week and try to get back to, to even
1: on the units. So I think we dive you right are in here. so us. petty. Oh my god! I just looked at your picks. Tell me, you honestly feel Bama with a questionable Tua is your? You would ne- if I were picking Alabama this week, you would be picking LSU. I think you purposely go against me in these SEC games.
2: Not true at all. I just think I just think Alabama is a better team, and I think LSU has a great squad this year, but. I think there's going to be a certain time where they just don't show up like they have been every week, and I think it's going to be this week against probably the toughest team in the nation. So it has really nothing to do with you taking LSU. I just think Alabama has a better team, and I think the fact that they're at home this week, uh, this is going to be a really tough game for Joe Burrow and LSU. And I I think Alabama is going to win by a couple scores, and I don't think this game is going to be particularly that close. That's why I like Bama this week.
1: I think Bama is lacking in the talent we're used to seeing. I don't think they've seen a quarterback, especially at LSU, like Burroughs. I think this game is going to be close. Do I think Alabama can win? Yes. But I do not think they're taking it by more than a touchdown, hence the plus six and a half here. LSU has been absolutely freakish when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. They are missing a couple of defensive players, but they easily shift in a couple of other guys that Ed Ogeron is very confident in. I think
2: yeah, just take out their best defensive player. They just shift in another guy. I don't think that's how it works. But we'll, the we'll other see guy was
1: it. taking more snaps than him, anyways. So I'm not too concerned. Tua questionable has another ankle injury. He takes one bad hit. He's out for the game. I don't think Mac Jones or Matt Jones or Mark Jones, whatever hell his name is, can come in and beat this LSU team, which I think is my current favorite to win the national title. I'm going to LSU here. I don't need your opinion. I'm ahead of you, anyways. But me and you agree on the next two picks. We've both got Big Ten matchups. I'm taking Penn State over Minnesota minus seven. I'm doing this purely in the fact that Minnesota hasn't played a team with more than four wins on the season. Minnesota undefeated, but it's a fake sense of undefeated. Penn State, I think, rolls through this one, potentially winning by 20 points.
2: Man, I'm going to have to disagree with you here. I do like Penn State minus to seven, but, I mean, looking at Minnesota this year, They've been playing some really good football, and you know you can't control who's on your schedule, and it's not like they get to do that. And Minnesota, I mean, they beat a very, I think, a very challenging, I wouldn't say good, but a challenging Purdue team at Purdue. They spanked Nebraska at home. Um, they spanked Maryland and Rutgers. So, I mean, they're beating teams, these weaker teams, by a lot, which is what they should be doing, and they've been playing some great football this year. But I think Penn State is the toughest opponent by far that they've played. I think they're going to give them a good game, but I'm seeing in between 10 to 13 points here. That's what my numbers are telling me. I think this will be an interesting matchup, but I don't think Minnesota is ready to take that jump yet. But, you know, they've got Iowa the next week, and on their side of the Big Ten right now, they have a two-game lead over anybody else. So we could see Minnesota, even if they lose this week, with the chance to win the Big Ten, a few weeks from now because you know penn state and ohio state are on the same side of the division so minnesota you know even with a loss this week could still challenge for the big 10 title and with all that being said i'm taking penn state minus seven but i think this will be a pretty good game
1: all right we'll see how it goes i'm feeling penn state then we got iowa wisconsin the last of the ranked matchups me and you are both on iowa plus nine and a half i just it's just demoralizing, putting so much love into Wisconsin and then seeing them just piss away their season, losing to Illinois, getting stomped on by Ohio State. Iowa, kind of in that Minnesota boat in terms of I don't think they're that great and I don't think their ranking is reflective of their actual standings. But 9.5 is a lot of points against this so-called offensive-lacking Wisconsin team that showed off at the beginning of the year but sucks since. So I'm going to go Iowa plus 9.5. I'm sure you have better reasons than I do. Well,
2: with the way my picks have been going, I don't have many better reasons. I just think this is going to be a low-scoring game, and I think the 9.5 points is is too much for me to lay with this Wisconsin team that has had a rough last few weeks. So as, as much as I don't really like Iowa, I think they can keep it close enough and actually have a chance to win this game straight up. So I like Iowa. My last two picks to round it off, Let's go with the Fighting Illini, Ross. They've been on an absolute roll lately, so I'm going to take them plus 15, and then I'm also going to take Iowa State plus 14. So a couple big dogs, maybe you get a little frisky, do a little two-team straight-up money line parlay, win yourself some big dollars, but those are my uh, those are my picks this week.
1: There, my picks are going to round off. I've got Oklahoma minus 14 beating your uh, Iowa State, and then I've got Baylor minus two on the road in a absolute trap game, but I think Baylor isn't better than most people expect or consider, so I'm going Baylor minus two, I think they win this game by double digits, I'm not concerned, if not, it is going to be a trap I'm going to be disappointed with my selections Wits, football season is moving through and through and we're getting closer to the college, college football playoffs, we're getting closer to the NFL playoffs all these things are good and fun we obviously miss football when it's gone, but we still got the heart of the season going through right now. We need all these big wins, all these big matchups. They're coming to our doorstep. I'm super excited. But with let's jump into the NFL. It was a rough week to be alive last week if you were a Packers fan. Um, we bounced back, though, because we're the best team in the NFC, and we had some guys who had never been to L.A. before and kind of partied the night before when they shouldn't have, we have a young team, so it's understandable. We'll correct the wrongs. We'll get better. It was a tough loss. I am 0-2 when betting the Packers on the sporting or on the opening line. I'm going for a third time this week. But Wits, let's recap your week. You went three and two. You caught up. Me and you are both one or we're both positive, one point eight units, and we're both twenty four and twenty-one on the year. That is fifty-three percent of our picks, which is what I was calling the glory percentage when we were texting earlier today. How are you feeling about the NFL after Week
2: Nine? Feeling pretty good about it, Roz. We are uh, we're over halfway done, and it's very sad to say, but I think that's what you know. Part of what makes football so great is it just. It seems like kind of a short season because you only get it once a week on the big day on Sunday, um, and that's what you love about it. I mean, it comes, it goes. You don't know what happened, but you had a good time, and I was pretty happy with the picks this week. Um, two losses, Jacksonville. And they got absolutely spanked, so I wasn't, you know, wasn't super upset about that. I, I was pretty angry about that Detroit Lions game because Matt Patricia, they just they can't seem to put it together for four quarters, and they give up two touchdowns in the fourth to the Raiders. Had no business losing that game, and the Lions find themselves at three, four, and one. I really think they should be you know, something like six and two right now, but. They just can't seem to finish it off. And you said, rough week for the Packers. Rough week for the NFC North. It was atrocious. Looking at what happened to the Vikings, blowing that game to the Chiefs, and then, I mean, the Bears, they are officially the Jacksonville Jaguars of yesteryear because uh, Trubisky is looking more and more like Blake Bortles, and this entire Bears team is just falling apart when it seemed like we were going to make a run maybe at the Super Bowl. So disappointing uh, as a Bears fan as an NFC North I guess duo if you want to call us with the Bears and Packers um, but Roz a couple teams that actually doing pretty pretty well right now the Steelers after a 1-3 and three start Roz they're now 4-4 four and four. big win against Indianapolis on Sunday um, you know Jacoby Brissett went down and this was a very tight game all the way in the end but Roz do the Steelers have any shot here to take an AFC wild card position, I don't know if they're going to win the division over Baltimore, but you know, can Mason Rudolph lead this team to a playoff berth?
1: I'm not convinced. He looks very uncomfortable in the pocket, especially when he's playing good, formidable defenses. And I think this Ravens team, although we saw them get slapped around by the Browns, which I think was one of those fake games since the NFL things happen week to week. Uh, the Ravens look like they're going to be the best team of the AFC coming out until somebody figures out how to take a lead and force Lamar Jackson to put the ball in the air. While he's a good passer, he's not a passer that's going to come from behind and win you games. I think the Ravens hold on. I don't think anybody else in this division is making the postseason. That was a sneaky win against a Brian Hoyer-led Colts team, that, which was disappointing because I think that Colts team was going to take that game if Jacoby Brissett stayed in. I'm, I'm a believer of the Ravens right now, and I do not think that the Steelers are going to muster up enough at the ending portion of this season to make it into the postseason. So I'm not on that side. I don't think a wildcard team is coming out of this division, and I definitely don't think the Steelers are going to win it over the Ravens.
2: That's fair enough. And uh, before we get into the picks, Roz, last point of Week 8, i got to pat myself on the back again for exposing the paper Tigers that are the Cleveland Browns because uh, they, <laughs> they got spanked around by uh, Brandon Allen. For those of you who haven't heard of them, I hadn't either – before the week started and it is just same old Cleveland Browns different set of characters different players but just same old baloney they find themselves at two and six and all those Super Bowl tickets that were purchased in the preseason are, are looking pretty bad right now Roz so I, I gotta give, give myself a little credit for calling this from day one and saying that the Browns just they weren't that good they were good on paper not on the field.
1: I agree. I definitely wasn't tooting the horn of the Browns. I probably had a little bit more faith in them than you did. It's embarrassing. And I think, again, I mean, I played wide receiver. I find the wide receiver position to be the most exciting. But flash isn't what's going to get you to a Super Bowl, let alone the playoffs, and something the Browns haven't sniffed in forever. Uh, It's like baseball. We made the same comparison. Like Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, were they really worth $350 million? So far, not. And I think the same goes for these wide receivers, $91 million for Odell Beckham. Again, you look at the Patriots' success, and you look at the Packers' success to some degree. Devontae Adams was drafted in the second round and wasn't expected to be this number one that he is. But outside of that, we had Alan Lazard, Geronimo Allison, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Again, not household names, yet on the Browns alone, they went out and got Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, they have these talented names and weapons on the offensive side of the ball, but it's not translating into anything. And I think this is a sophomore slump for Baker Mayfield. I don't think this is going to be a constant or a consistent theme we see out of his play moving forward, but you got to add more to it, especially an offensive line for that team, which has been absolutely porous. Um, The Browns are bad. That's all I can say. They continue to have this bad luck and this bad dark cloud over them, and they're out. There's nothing more to say about it. I don't think they're going to make a miraculous comeback and find their way into the postseason this year. So I do, I pat you on the back. The Browns are kind of a joke.
2: Yeah, and for me, it's not even that they lose, but they do it the same way every week. Too many penalties, too much undisciplined football. Like, if you're going to lose, that's fine. If you're going to get beat, that's fine. But they just, they're frustrating to watch because they do have a lot of talent on paper. And to think that they're 2-6 and six right now, um, I know a lot of people didn't think this was going to happen, but... It's just like different different players, different signings, different coaches, but the same Cleveland Browns type of attitude. They just don't play good football, and it's embarrassing because, like you said, with all these big acquisitions, they really haven't done anything this year. Uh, Baker Mayfield has been bad. Everybody in that team has been bad, except maybe Miles Garrett. But you know, one team, one player doesn't win any of the games, and at two and six right now, I mean. They're, they're going to be forgotten, and I think Freddie Kitchens needs to go. I think a lot of people above him need to go, but obviously when you own the team, not really anybody can fire you. But enough talk about the Cleveland Browns, Roz. Let's get into the picks for this week. We're on a heater, 53.3%. You didn't give us that extra point three. We are above that Golden Goose number of 52.5%, so we're going to keep it going this week. Um, I know we get a couple of the same picks, so I guess I'll start us off. We are both taking Baltimore minus 10 this week they are traveling to Cincinnati Bengals are 0-8 they're starting a new quarterback I know they had the bye week but Baltimore this is a very good team we saw that last week I think this this could get ugly early and I think Baltimore minus 10 was, was my favorite pick of the week I don't like taking big spreads in the NFL but I like the Ravens this week against the Cincinnati Bengals
1: Yeah, my favorite pick is actually going to be the Chargers, but I agree. The Ravens minus 10, not a lot of good lines this week. So that was one that I felt pretty comfortable. I think the Bengals are just as big of a dumpster fire as humanly possible. So I don't have any confidence in them. I think Lamar is going to run all over them all day long. I took the Chargers minus one. I'm doing a lot of bookend games here. The Chargers are on Thursday night. I really like that matchup for them. I think they're playing desperate football, and they showed it when they— Just smacked the shit out of my Packers this past week. Minus one, easy. I put two units on it for that one. And then I took the Seahawks plus six because I will continue, wits to bet against the 49ers until they show their true form. And on Monday night, Russell Wilson, the eventual MVP of this season, is going to shove it up Jimmy Garoppolo's ass, and it's over. Give me the Seahawks plus six. Rip a money line if you're feeling as confident as I am. Seahawks plus six. Monday night football.
2: Yeah, that's, uh, I think, might be the best game of the year so far. I mean, the 49ers, I've been waiting for them to fall off. Uh, You know, my my first time picking against them was against the Rams when I had them for my survivor pick uh, about four weeks ago. That didn't quite work out. And the 49ers, I mean, they're playing some great football. Very exciting. It's a great matchup with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Um, My next pick, I'm going to take the Chiefs minus three and a half. They're traveling to Tennessee. And there's two teams in the NFL that I truly believe you never know what you're going to get. One of those teams, the Tennessee Titans. The other one is the Philadelphia Eagles. Two teams I just don't really like betting on or against because the Titans, I mean, they just win some crazy games and they go out and they play like the Miami Dolphins the next week. And I think this week, uh, while this will be a pretty tight game. I like the Chiefs in this one. I don't really know who's going to be under center, whether it's Matt Moore or Patrick Mahomes. doesn't factor into my decision. Uh, The Chiefs had a great, great comeback win against the Vikings last week, so I like the minus three and a half. And then I said I didn't like taking big lines, but I'd get two more games that have have double-digit lines, so let's just get them out of the way right now. Give me the Saints and Drew Brees against division rival. Falcons on Sunday not much of a rivalry right now Raz. Saints are seven and one Falcons are one and seven surprising that Dan Quinn still has a job here but I think this could be the last week of that Saints win by three touchdowns and then give me the Colts minus ten and a half they are against the Dolphins Jacoby Brissett uh, good reports early in the week about the knee I think he's going to end up being under center for the Colts and I think they take this one by three touchdowns as well. So I love the Colts this week, no matter who's playing for them. Those are my two big spreads.
1: I'm going to go with... uh, Well, uh, I was going to... I'm going to recite a song eventually about Sam Darnold and how pathetic the New York Jets organization is. It's tough when they compete against the Cleveland Browns in terms of who has a more pathetic organization. You lose to the winless Dolphins last week with your starting quarterback intact, by the way. He's back from Mono. You're expecting big things, and you lose to the Miami Dolphins. Pretty insane. And I know it's the NFL and any team, but that Dolphins team was destined to go in 16 Now they will not, and the Jets look like they've propelled themselves into position to have the number one overall pick. A pick I think they should use wits on Tua Tagovailoa, and I'm never going to say they're right, but Sam Darnold will join that famous list of USC quarterbacks that all just stunk it up in the NFL. USC might breed quarterbacks, at least to the NFL draft, but once they see the limelight and get onto a professional field, it is all down here. Not enough money from Pete Carroll can get those guys hyped up to play. Um, I'm going Giants minus 2.5. It's basically a home game for them. It's in the Meadowlands. Give me them. I'm also going to take the Packers minus 5 to break my curse of blowing games for them. The Packers, minus five against Carolina. I think Kyle Allen, we've seen the best of him. We've seen the worst. I think he's about to run into one of his worst days yet at Lambeau Field. And Cam Newton, hot take. We will never see start in the NFL again.
2: I tend to agree with you there. um, But hopefully he comes back. But this is kind of shaping up, I think. uh, Very sad end of a career. But we'll see what happens. Um, Just got put on IR. My last pick, I'm taking the Cardinals plus four and a half on the road against the Bucs. Um, two scrappy teams. Neither one of them very good, but I like the Cardinals this week. I think they push it to four and five and one. I forget about the tie. And uh, I like what Kingsbury and Murray are doing over there. I think uh, definitely had some growing pains, but I think they're going to win this game straight up. So I will take the four and a half points. And, uh, yeah, those are my picks for the
1: week, guys. Well, the NFL, the KMML which is the Kevin Marsh Memorial League, our famous fantasy league, and the NCAA football standings are all taking shape as we move down the final stretch. I'm almost home for Thanksgiving. We're going to have an in-studio episode. I could not be more excited about that, Wits. We're going to get freaking crazy in there. Might even take our shirts off. Uh, I have no idea. Anyways... We're coming close to the holidays. There's nothing more I enjoy than Thanksgiving. I mean, I think it's an honor for you guys to have the opportunity to listen to the greatest turkey, ball, turkey Bowl football player of all time on the line right now. I lead all statistical categories when it comes to Turkey Bowl, and it's coming up soon. I'm calling out the Gabrielsons, the McCanns, and all the people out there that I'm going to just dismantle this year. Um, and then we get Christmas and Hanukkah, maybe a little bit of Kwanzaa. Wits, you're going to get a lot of me from November to December, and I hope you're ready because I am going to take Chicago by storm. I'm excited to come home. I like the West Coast, but I'm coming to the Mid Coast to absolutely wreak havoc on everybody and maybe slide into the KMML Fantasy Football Playoffs and take you out of it. We got a big matchup this week, with. so if you have any trash to say, just remember who beat you week one.
2: Yep, that's going to be the only thing that you're going to hang on to at the end of the year. So. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, good to be back. Good show. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week, everybody.
1: Thank you guys for listening to the opening line. We will be back better than ever next week because you know, here we like to keep the line moving. Have a great weekend, everybody. And we love sports. By the
0: bolo, What's your motto? Everyone won that lotto. Things ain't out of, I know You're movin' by the bolo it's so the When you're movin' by the bolo it's the play, yo? Break, break, down Ooh, What's your motto? Everyone want that lotto You forgot, all I know You're movin' by the bolo Joel. So when you're moving by the bolo Break, break down Get it moving it, feel the bass with the groove in it Shit, the buzz ain't losing it, I'm the next thing I'm proving it Talk about how I'm full of it, Bro, but I'll still be bolder rich you Wanna know how I'm doing this Listen man, I'm moving by the bolo We are moving by the bolo When you moving, when you moving, man We ain't gon' lose it Watch how I move it Gonna lose Watch how I move, I move, I just can't help myself. What's your motto? Oh. Everyone want that Lotto. Oh. Things ain't idle, oh. I know. You're moving by the bolo, oh. that's your way, oh. When you're moving by the bolo, oh. that's the play What's your motto? Everyone want that Lotto. Oh. You forgot oh. I know. You're moving by the bolo. We're by the bolo, get a all aboard, move that thing on the harder course, and I'm back with the business, and the big road on route to the promised land, get that involved, ooh, Dragon Ball, Z when we stir it up, superpowers, murder us, I got you now, you feel the buzz, like are you serious, now you are so curious, Solid let you experience, party on this open ship. we hanging my shoulder cause you know we play break, 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 break. We're moving by the bolo When When you're moving fast Who you kidding? Kidding tonight you just gonna let it go you just gonna let it go oh, We ain't gonna lose it Watch how I move We ain't gon' lose it. Watch how I move. I move. I just can't help myself. What's your motto? Everyone want that Lotto. Things ain't idle, I know you're moving by the bolo. Oh, that's your way up. When you moving by the bolo, oh, that's the play What's your motto? Everyone want that Lotto. by the bolo when you're by the bolo